For those of us who are online, you guys can be seated. Thank you, Santa Nancy, for leading worship this morning. And There's so many people that are um, that make this weekend experience happen. I'm going to invite my wife to come up here. <clears throat> so Heather and I, um, we're not re- we're not resigning or anything like that. I I, <laughs> I, I wanted Heather to be here um, this morning because Heather is. Here's a mic for you. Heather is someone uh, that I see a tremendous uh, gift of teaching and even training preaching, and um, she's actually someone who's developed me as a, as a preacher, as someone that actually has put together my notes, help helped me put together my notes, organize my thoughts. She's, she thinks more linearly than I do, and we're together, we're a great team because we think much we, we think about a subject kind of all the way around it. So we've been actually talking about the book of Mark, which is what we're going to be preaching on um, today. And uh, we've been thinking about it really for the last couple of weeks. And we've just been kind of bouncing it back and forth over meals and conversations. And maybe some of those in our house have already heard this message a few times. But it's, it's, a, it's, a good, it's, it's good to talk about. But I, I'm so thankful for Heather, um, really because Heather is... I, I feel like there are so many times where, as husbands, sometimes we see ourselves as either more skilled or more, we have more knowledge or we have more, you know, there, there's the spiritual authority that's referenced in Scripture is just, it's different. We, sometimes we think of it as different than, than co-laboring together. As when, I, when I'm with Heather, I trust Heather in almost every decision of my life. And so when she makes decisions, like, about anything, I trust her. And, um, and more than that, Heather is, she's taught me so much about um, how to value the voice of God more than, more than anything else. And so I, I want to encourage you husbands out there um, to put yourself in a position to be taught, to, be, to be actually have, have um, your wife speak into your life, not just to, like, just encourage you when you're in the dumps, but to actually lean into her, to actually uh, hear, hear her perspective of God's voice, the Holy, what the Holy Spirit's saying to her. Um, I feel like we just miss out so much because of our arrogance as men. We, we just think that we, we know the right way or, you know, we're, we're, you know, 100% right at the time, but, you know, and, and you know, I know the, the, for kicks and giggles is that, you know, Listen to your wives. Don't you know? Don't stir the hornet's nest. Do what they say. But truthfully, uh, I I call Heather. I talk to Heather often for advice. How do I approach this? What What is God saying in this moment? And so I'm inviting her to this conversation because really I just see a huge uh, gifting on her life. And um, obviously she's my my best friend. And we've been doing this for probably what seven years now. Seven years in August. We came here seven years ago that this is kind of the first time that we're, we're teaching together like this. So um, we want to keep this kind of an open conversation. So I'm going to go ahead and open this up. But this morning, actually, we're going to be um, talking about one of our core values. And the, one of the, the core values that we have up here on the wall are reach the lost, equip the saints, abide in Christ, 
plant churches, and serve others. And we're going to be talking about the last one. What is the biblical understanding of the word serve, to become a servant? And so we've titled the message, The Road to Glory. And Heather, why don't you talk to us about what, what when we say the road to glory, kind of what's the parameter, what is the framework that we're talking about? Okay, well, first of all, I want to thank you for all those kind words. That was really sweet, because you see me at my worst, and you still choose to praise me. So <laughs> that's impressive. Um, uh, so the road to glory, uh, just as we um, were discussing through Mark, um, Jesus talks a lot about, you know, the, the best in the kingdom, how to become the greatest, because the disciples are constantly bringing it up. And he's saying, the road to my glory is is headed towards the cross. The road to your glory might be headed towards fame and power and wealth, but the road to my my glory heads towards the cross. So we're just going to discuss the two different roads um, that you can choose, and you, we we make we make choices on one road or the other road every day. Um, so anyway, yeah, we're just going to discuss that today. Yeah, and so we've been going through the book called The Untold Story. Some of us have been doing a little bit of the extra on Bama podcast, been listening to, to some of that. And it's been, um, it's been a really, it's, you know, this is a massive, uh, a massive amount of chapters uh, to condense into about uh, 30 minutes or so. But this, we're going to be talking about the book of Mark. And um, if you read in the, the Untold Story, there wasn't a lot this week. It was basically giving us more of kind of the, the handles of who wrote it, when it was written. And so Mark, John Mark, you know, mo- most people think that Mark was a disciple of Christ because it was, you know, the epistles, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those were just disciples, right? Well, Mark and Luke weren't, and specifically Mark was a disciple of Peter. So after Jesus had ascended, the Spirit came, empowered Peter, he's going out. One of the people that's traveling with Peter is Mark. He's the one writing this. And, and Mark is probably listening to the sermons Peter is giving and writing this book down. Um, it's not, it, um, we learned that it's, it is um, somewhat chronological, but its emphasis is really more um, factual. It, he's going a lot more for facts. So I think, how many times was the word immediately used in this book? Yeah, you should. Around 50. Around 50, yeah. So about 50 different times the word immediately is used. And the point Mark was doing for that is he's writing to a Roman audience. And the Romans, they, you have to keep their attention because they want all the facts, just give it to me straight. Um, most of the other epistles, really, that, that word immediately was only used more for like when something immediately happened. Um, there are times in the book of John where the word immediately is used somewhat correctly, but but Mark is a, is a genius writer, and Heather's going to talk a little bit about that here shortly, about why he wrote it the way he wrote it. But he's talking to Romans. It's probably in that 50 to 60 A.D. year range. Um, the main theme of this book, the book of Mark, is that, it's, uh, that Jesus is a suffering servant. So it's, he's come to serve, um, and like I said, that's what we're going to be talking about, um, but it's it's 30 years of Jesus' life and ministry condensed into, into 10 chapters. The last six chapters, uh, sorry, in 16 chapters, the last six chapters are the last week of Jesus' life. 
So really, it's almost like 10 chapters are 30 years of his life and ministry. So um, just to help you kind of know what's happened up to the point, we're going to pick up in the, in, towards the last part of the book, the last half of the book, chapters 8, 9, and 10. And what's kind of happened up to this point to help us better understand is Jesus is already bapti- was already baptized by John. He was in the wilderness and overcame Satan. He's called his 12 disciples. They're following him. And he's already started the miracle. He's casting out demons. He's healing par- the paralytic man. Um, remember, that was lowered into the house. He's speaking to the storm to be still. That's happening. And you remember uh, J- Jairus' daughter had passed away. He said, get up. Um, and she came back from the dead. So much of the ministry of Jesus has already happened. He's already in the world. He's established as someone who is serving. He wants to serve his community. He wants them to know of the goodness of God, well, which we know the kindness of God leads people to repentance. And so today we're actually going to look at three different passages that talk about um, the, the three different times that Jesus predicted his, his own death. He's, going to, he's, he's talking to the disciples every single time, and he's, he's making um, clear, uh, clear predictions of how it's going to happen, when it's going to happen, etc. And then we're going to learn just some of the principles, the principles about what it means to become a servant and how Jesus ties these two topics together, the prediction of his death and yet serving, and how, how is that part of the same thing. So Heather, what were, what were the disciples thinking about Jesus' ministry up to this point? Okay, so in Mark 8.31, we read, and and from there on, um, we read that Jesus starts to talk about his suffering that he's going to be going through. Um, And and Peter stops him right away. He pulls him to the side, and he says, oh, Jesus, you know, you don't really know what you're talking about. I think that's cute that Peter thought that he needed to help Jesus with with what he was trying to teach. And uh, so it just gives you a really good perspective that the disciples are not on the same wavelength as Jesus at all. Like, the the Messiah is here. We know we have the Messiah. We're the followers of the Messiah, and and we are going to destroy Rome. We are going to take over, and Israel is going to rise up, and we're going to reign in Israel. And um, so that's their mindset. It is a very physical kingdom that they're that they are thinking that Jesus is going to lay out for them um, and and conquer and and they think that they're with somebody that is is powerfully like uh, gonna destroy like even military. I mean, he's going to raise up an army, and they're thinking they're going to live in the in the days of even like David when David just conquered the people or Joshua when they when they got rid of all their enemies and. Um, and so they're thinking, politically, Jesus is going to reign and bring his kingdom, establish his kingdom, and Jesus is starting to talk about, I'm going to die, and that doesn't fit in with their plan at all. So Peter calls him to the side. He's like, no, 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 Jesus. It says he rebukes him, he reprimands him for saying these things. And then, and then Jesus, Jesus looked at Peter, and then he turned around and he looked at all of his disciples, and it's like... It's like you can just see it it click in Jesus' brain, like, wow, these guys do not understand why I'm here, like, at all. And so he calls everybody over to him, and he says, if any of you want to be my followers, you must give up your own way, 
take up your cross and follow me. If you, want to, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you will give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. So it's just very, very much like uh, you're, you know, you're not, you're, we're not doing this to gain power. We're not doing this to gain glory and to, to lift ourselves up. We are headed down a road of suffering and of giving up the desires of our flesh, really. Um, so Jesus is really trying to make that clear, like, hey, if anyone's following me, you are, you're in the wrong crowd if you think that we're headed towards an actual throne with an actual palace of, um, like, here on this earth. So he just really wants to make that clear. Yeah, it's, um, what, um, so, like, culturally, at this time, Jesus uses that, that word, the cross, pick up your cross. What, I mean, obviously, most of us actually, not most of us, many of us will actually carry a cross around our neck. Is, is that the same symbol that Jesus is trying to tell the disciples? Yeah, that's a good point. Um, well, no, it's kind of, and I, I talked, we talked about this in college. It's like uh, putting a little electric chair around your neck and saying, this is, you know, I'm all about the electric chair. Yes, I'm going to carry around my electric chair. I mean, it's like, it's a symbol of death. It was a symbol of suffering, of the worst kind of suffering uh, that that was even used at that time. So Yeah, it's interesting because like the, like, without being overly graphic, the cross, the, the, the passion of the Christ is still, it's still, if you've watched that film, it's very graphic, but it still doesn't depict fully what um, what would happen to those who were crucified, um, the the what would happen to their bodies, and the disfigurement of the individuals that that people would die many times just from the whipping because it would actually it would just pull organs out, it, you would just die, that like that. So so when Jesus says, "Hey, pick up your cross," he's not saying pick up a uh, emblem or jewelry and put it on your cross and say, you know, it, this is a cute phrase. He's saying quite literally, like Heather's already said, like, um, this is your death sentence. If, if you're going to follow me, th- that's a better way to understand it. Um, we'll sign your life away. This is your death sentence. So count that cost as you follow me. Because, yeah, you're going you're gonna to lose your life, but then you're going to gain it. And and that's there, that's the the conflict as Christians that we have. It's that we it's like we want to be able to live a full life. Like, well, doesn't God want us to be happy and healthy? And and but but the, there's the other side where Jesus is saying, "Hey, count the costs. This is your death sentence. Your death sentence of of everything that you want, because that now it's going to become everything that I want." And thankfully, the kingdom of God is the only government agency. The only uh, the only um, leader, the only boss, the only head of any organization that is truly working for our best interests. He is absolutely never selfish. He's absolutely planned everything out for us, the benefit of us. So that should put, give us confidence in when he says, this is your death sentence, but you're coming over, I'm going to make you alive. The yoke will be made easy. But it's in the context of trust. It's the constant dying that we're talking about here. <clears throat> The second time that Jesus uh, predicts his death to the disciples, um, I'm sorry, I think we're we're going to talk about this here towards the end of that towards the end of that 
it says that uh, in verse 36, it says, what do you benefit if you gain the whole world and lose your own soul? Is there anything worth more than your soul? And I think that's a good, a good time to just pause and ask that. What is worth more than your soul? Think about that for just a second. Why don't you go ahead and read First First Peter four twelve, Heather? All right, um, beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial that has come upon you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice that you share in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed at the revelation of His glory. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the Spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Um, so yeah, I think we just wanted to bring out that uh, your, you know, Jesus. Jesus says, "Is anything worth more than your soul?" And there's there's so much that this world has to offer, and it's constantly trying to distract us away from from what is really important. Um, we were talking about a little bit how a, a baby a baby in the womb is is kind of like us on the earth. Um, you know, if we were just to leave the baby in the womb, and you know, that was that was the story of the of the baby. We would, you know, of course, of course, we wouldn't do that. That makes no sense because we know that this baby is going to be born, and that they have a life to live, and they have a destiny. And the thing that we forget, I think, is how temporal this life is. It's just so so short. And Jesus is saying, you have a very very short amount of time to live on this earth and to fight your flesh and to die and to receive truth, receive truth and learn how to trust me. But if, if you use this to just gain for yourself, you're going, you're going to lose your life in the end. And he's saying this, I mean, this is a small, small snippet of what you were created for, this life on the earth. You have a great grand destiny, um, but you're going to live it out in eternity. You, you live your life here, yes, and you, you have a great destiny, and God does have a plan for you, but not everything that he created for you can, I mean, it's not even going to hardly touch what, what he's created for you to do. This life, this life is not going to be able to even, you know, compare to what he has planned for you in the future. And he's saying, I mean, you can, you can have all these things. You can, you can go for money. You can, you can go for fame. You can go for power, for whatever your flesh desires, for pleasure. Um, but if you're running after those things, I mean, he's, it's just so sad to him. Like, he's, you're going to miss it for eternity, for a very, very small snack, you know? Like, you get a little snack, but you miss, you miss it for the rest of your life. So, um, anyway, so uh, you know it's interesting because so like the very first passage that we're talking about, we're talking about Jesus predicts his death. Excuse me, Peter says, "No, that's not going to happen. We're going to set up our kingdom. We got what it. We got what it takes. We have the power, the authority. You obviously have the miraculous power. You have connections to God. We're going to set up a kingdom." And Jesus says, "Whoa, you're like." He actually uses harsh language and he says, "Get behind me, Satan! For you think you're thinking like." Man, I'm thinking like God. So this is the first instance where Jesus is talking about, really, his death, 
And Peter's thinking about his personal gain. So let's read about the second time that this happens. So in uh, Mark chapter 9, verse 31, it says, The Son of Man is, this is the second time he's predicting his death, the Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of his enemies. He will be killed, but three days later he will rise from the dead. And they didn't understand what he was saying. However, <clears throat> they didn't understand what he was saying. However, and they were afraid to ask him what he meant. And after they arrived in Capernaum and settled in the house, Jesus asked his disciples, what were you discussing on the road? But they didn't answer because they had been arguing about which of them was the greatest. Now think about this. Jesus is talking openly about them, about pretty much, again, the death sentence that he has. I'm going to die. This is the end. They're thinking, nope, this is the beginning of something amazing and great. This is going to be awesome. Jesus is like, Jesus is like, nope, this is the end. And they're, they're, they're thinking about, wow, which one of us is the greatest, do you think? Which one, which one of us deserves the most accolade? Let's, let's focus on which one of us is going to be the greatest. And so it says they were afraid to ask him. Uh, I think probably because, I mean, remember what happened to Peter. Peter gets reprimanded and says, get behind me, Satan. And they're like, I'm not going to be the one to ask what he meant. Like, I'm... If I say anything, I'm going to get reprimanded. So they were probably um, referring back to that a little bit. Um, And then the second thing, in verse 35, it says that he sat down, Jesus sat down, called the 12 disciples over to him, and said, whoever wants to be first must take last place and be the servant of everyone else. And this is where we're going to camp out here for just a second. Whoever wants to be first must take last place and be the servant of everyone else. You know, the heroes of Restoration Church are those who every week serve in some sort of capacity. They're the ones, each and every one of them, are the ones that make this church community great. And we're abundantly thankful for them because there's no way that any of this can happen without people that have just said, yes, put me on the schedule, I want to serve. And that's huge because obviously we love being together and we love um, being in God's house. And, you know, when um, it's even more fun when, when there's kids ministry and there's kids just, it's just a lively house. I love it. Nursery, Kidmen downstairs, Wednesday night, uh, youth group. I just love it. I love all of it. But I'm thankful for everyone who absolutely, there's just this yes in their heart, constantly wanting to serve. And and that serving is critical to our growth, but it's not its message in its entirety. So when we're talking about serving, in verse 35, this is what Jesus says. He says, whoever wants to be first. Now think about if you've ever won first in anything, first place in anything, whether it be a race, whether it be in shop class or you name it. You get first place. There's a feeling you get of hard work. There's an accolade attached to it. But Jesus says, that feeling that you have of first, let me tell you what it's like for me to see first. If you want to be great, if you want to be first, it's attached to serving. It's attached to becoming a servant of all. And so in the kingdom of God, before we're on this road of glory for ourselves, we just want it. Everything is selfish. Everything's inward. But when you give your yes to God and you actually become a born-again believer, you actually put yourself on a road that's different. It's the road that leads to the glory for God. So in this new, on this new road, 
in the kingdom of God, sometimes we call it, we're becoming servants. And the way that we do that is we practice two strong qualities of mature believers. And those qualities are humility and it's honor. And if we lack these, um, lack these, this fruit that only the Holy Spirit produces, it's, it's going to be very hard to actually serve, serve people the way that Jesus wants us to serve them. Is it possible to actually serve someone correctly when we think that we're better than someone else's? I mean, is it actually possible? I mean, yes, you can, you can serve a hamburger. Yes, you can run a slide. Yes, you can open a door or preach up here. Yes, you can do those things when you think that you're better than someone else. But can you do it correctly? And Jesus here is, this is the whole thrust behind his message. He's saying that we have to develop a heart that's pure, that serves correctly. If you want to be great from my standpoint, from my perspective, then you have to do it correctly. So how do you do it? You have to have humility, you have to have honor, and they're linked together. And so when, when we're talking about humility and honor, let's look, let's look at just even the last week of our lives. Think about the choices that you've made with your spouse, your husband, your wife. Can you think of any, any sort of hiccups this past week that you've had together? Okay, I can't think of any for probably for the past 10, 15 years. I think. I mean, we're like a perfect marriage. We don't have any issues, just none. Absolutely not one, right? Right, yes. I paid her to say that, so just kidding. No, we have, I mean, we're just like anyone else. You know, relationships are messy, and the more intimate you are with some, someone, the more messy they can be. But just because there's messiness and, and um, there's not agreement in everything doesn't mean there has to be dishonor, and it doesn't mean there has to be this arrogant, proud attitude towards each other. What we contend for in our marriage is connection. You know, we, even to this day, there are things that we just we don't agree on, and that's okay. But how are we going to contend to stay together even in the things that we disagree on? And so, you know, moving to your children, how, how, how has your relationships been with, with your children this past week? What, are been some, what have been some issues that have caused friction? You know, think about it. If we're talking about humility and honor, maybe some of the opposites of those are, like I said, like proud, arrogance, and just harsh. So are we yelling at our kids? Are we treating them like they're like brainless and like seriously you can't figure this out, so I'm going to raise my voice and dishonor you. Let's move on to work, our workplaces. Sometimes, you know, our bosses just don't know as much as we do. I mean, mine specifically. I know way more than my boss. Like, <laughs> I hope you're watching. <laughs> no. My boss is my, my friend. He is my boss, but my friend has taught me much but how many times do we do that? We go to the workplace and we think we know more than our colleagues or our boss and we treat them accordingly. We treat them according to how we feel they ought to be treated. And I don't, I, the, the last thing, if, if we open up the, the, the can of worms of honor and humility is how are we honoring people and how are we showing humility towards people on social media? We think that our voice doesn't matter on social media, which is why we can blast whatever we want. But the reality is, is if social media was the only thing that represented you, would God say that your posts are honoring 
and full of humility? Or would your post say that I want to be right and you are wrong? The thing is, is that it's the kindness of God that makes people want to change. It's, it's not saying your piece. And let me, let me just say this. You know, most of the times that I get fiery on Facebook and I just want to like, I want to be heard or on Instagram or whatever, it's when I'm kind of aimless in my spiritual life. I'm not, I'm not spending time with the Lord. It's late at night or early, like all hours of the night, early in the morning. And all I'm doing is renewing my mind in the narrative of that we're being told. I'm renewing my mind in bad things. I'm renewing my mind in the hatred and the dishonor in the arrogance and pride of man. And if we're not careful, church, we'll never become the culture of restoration that God intended for us to be. God wants us to be known. And we're going to actually read it here in this next passage, but he wants us to be different, completely different. He wants us when uh, someone sees you to say, to, to see Wow, that's someone who goes against the grain of everyone else. They are, they are nothing like this world. And so when someone dishonors you, Jesus says, bless them. How do we do that? How do, how do we agree with someone that, or how do, we, how do we honor and show humility towards someone that we disagree with? Do you have any thoughts on that? Put you on the spot. How do we do that better? Think about that for just a second. Um, for me, like if I'm, if I'm finding that I'm treating you not very well, like I'm, I'm getting annoyed with you or I'm getting dishonoring, like in my thinking towards you, I, I realize that I'm just, I don't have a godly perspective of you. So I'm not, I'm not seeing you the way that God does because God, I mean, God teach, God treats you with with a lot of honor, with respect, with gentleness, kindness. I mean, he is love, so he can't help it because that's all that he knows. Um, but if you, do you mind if I read this? Yeah, go ahead. Um, in 2 Corinthians five fifteen through 17, it says, He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, how differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. So, I mean, especially among believers, I mean, that says right there, I can't look at John just from a human perspective anymore. I mean, he, is, he has Christ inside of him, and I need to honor. I need to honor him. I need to respect him. And so... When I, get, when I get flippant and I'm just kind of being rude, I'm, I know that, like, I haven't really been renewing my mind in that fact that I just, that he has the spirit of God inside of him, and I need to treat him with all respect. And for those that, that haven't come to the Lord yet, those that aren't saved, my king, my king died for them. He died a very, very gruesome death for them. And then while he was up on the cross, you know, he said, Father, forgive them. So, um, yeah. That's good. It's really good. It's, it's just honor is treating all people equally. And, you know, we think we're pretty good at that. But there are people that when we think of them, they, you know, it's that starstruck feeling. You know, they're in the room and you're just like, wow, like 
I want to be around them. I want to learn from them. I want them to put their hands on me and pray over me that I receive impartation. Or, or maybe it's just, you know, someone famous that you know. It, honor is doing that to every person and unbelievers. Honor is doing that to people that straight up hate us, that hate Jesus. Honor is saying, looking at those who have put you on a cross and say, Father, forgive them. That's what honor is. And we're not very, can, can we just be honest with ourselves? We're not very good at this yet. Can we just, can we come to that point and just, just admit, I'm not very good at honor. Because, because there's a point in time, I feel, like all of us can honor pretty much everyone in this room and probably most people in a 500-mile region. But when you start getting out of that region, out of your comfort zone, and you got different worldviews and different beliefs, and you got people in D.C. making decisions, and you have people in massive cities that are from different, completely different mindsets making choices, and it's just easy to start dishonoring people. And, you know, God very clearly says in the Word of God that God actually resists those who are arrogant and proud, but He gives grace to those who are humble. And I don't know about you, but grace is just the strength, the ability to do what's right when you don't want to do what's right. You know, and I, I need that. I want that. I don't know about you guys, but that's something I need every single day because there are days where I'm flippant with my wife or my children and I need grace because my feelings are telling me something that's not true. And sometimes those feelings are, are even strengthened by the enemy's thoughts. And the enemy's thoughts are always accusing. It's always shame. It's always that stupid group of people, that crazy wife, that those children that are insane, that Facebook, you know, those, those idiots over there. That's what the enemy is always renewing his mind in. He's always accusing. He's always shame. It's always guilt. And yet, if we're not careful, it can start to sound right. And we start agreeing with that. And the only way the enemy has power is in believer's agreement. And when we agree with him and we strengthen his, uh, his mindset. And so it's your words are powerful. Your thoughts are powerful. Your posts are very powerful. And if Jesus wouldn't post something, no matter how much you want to post it, there's been times where I've posted something. I'm like, nope, delete. I can't. That is not Jesus. That's what I want to do. But that's not Jesus. That's what the flesh wants to do in me. And so, you know, there's been times, even in mid-conversation, I'm like, I just need to stop talking. And we got to just get better at that. You know what that's called? That's just called honor. It's called humility. It's saying, I don't know. And I need to stop talking. And there are times when God puts a conviction and a burden on your heart to speak up for something. Jesus spoke up for everything that he believed in, and yet he did it in an honoring way and in, from a very humble place. He was a king of kings. He created every person. He created every single person that he debated with. Think about that. And yet he humbled himself to actually have a conversation with them. So let's go into the last, um, the last segment here is uh, <clears throat> the last passage. The third time Jesus tells his disciples, all right, guys, bad things are coming. I'm going to die. And he gets very, uh, very explicit. He, he, he's very, he tells them exactly what's going to happen. He says, we're going to Jerusalem where the Son of Man will be betrayed to the leading priests and the teachers of religious law. 
They will sentence him to die and hand him over to the Romans. And they will mock him, spit on him, flog him with a whip, kill him, and after three days he will rise again. Jesus is telling you that. What's the next statement out of your mouth? Back to him. What would you tell him if Jesus were telling you that fresh? What would be your first statement back to him? What would, what would it be? I mean, just... I would... I don't understand. I want to know why. Yeah, I would probably start crying. I would be like, God, no! You're not going to die. Like, you're our leader. We've been following you for years. And yet, this is the next, <laughs> this is the next statement that comes out. It says, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came over and spoke to the teacher. Teacher! We want you to do us a favor. What's your request, Jesus said? When you sit on your glorious throne, we want to sit in places of honor next to you, one of you on your right and the other on the left. And Jesus said to them, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the bitter cup of suffering that I'm about to drink? Are you able to be baptized with the baptism of suffering that I must be baptized with? They say, oh, yes, we're able and then Jesus told them, you will indeed drink from the bitter cup, of, bitter cup and be baptized with the baptism of suffering. But I have no right to say who will sit on my right or my left. And God has, uh, God has prepared those places for the ones he has chosen. What I love about these two disciples are, one, that they recognize that Jesus is overly kind. He's so approachable. You can go to him with any question and he'll respond to you in an honoring way. He doesn't say, you idiots, what are you, you know, why would you ask this? He's, he's asking them quite literally, do you want, you, want the, you want to be on the road to glory that leads to God? And they're saying, yes. It's like, okay, well, that comes with suffering. That comes with pain. And you are, you will be, you are going to taste that glory when you see God, but it's going to come at a cost, and it's going to be at the cost of suffering and pain. And so, so I, I just think it's important to recognize that the difference between these two roads that we're talking about, the road to glory, the road to glory of the cross, or the road to glory of yourself. These guys, they're still talking about what can I gain from you being Lord of my life. God, can I, can I sit? Like, are they talking about the kingdom on the throne? Are they talking about the throne in heaven? Like when he goes to glory, are they talking about a throne on earth, do you think? Uh, to me, I think that they still have it in their mind that he's talking about a physical throne in Israel. Yeah, and I, I do too. So these disciples are, are saying, we don't know about this like you're going to be betrayed and you're going to be killed. But what we do know is you're going to be king and you're going to be on a throne. And when you do get on the throne, can you, can you please promote us? And so they're still looking for a backdoor, uh, inward, selfish reason to be a follower of Christ. Christ has already said, this is your death sentence, and yet they're hearing, this is your promotion. This is your, you're going to gain all of this, this amazing accolade in this world. You having fun over there, Elijah? I love you, buddy. This is our Kidman for this morning. Actually, we do want to say a big shout out and thank you to Shane and Ashley Holmquist. They are helping with our two youngest, and um, they're, it's just... It, they're wonderful. They're wonderful friends of ours. They're watching them, and we bless you. Thank you. <laughs> um, but so 
so the, the last portion of this, after, after they had talked about sitting on the right and the left, they want all this accolade for themselves, this is how the, the end of that passage goes. It says, when the other ten disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. And so Jesus called them over together and said, you know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. Verse 43 is a prophetic statement over us this morning, and it's, but among you it will be different. It has to be different. Among us, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first among you must be a slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man in other words, for even the king came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. In verse 43, if there's one thing that you take away from this is among you it will be different. Christ followers are different, completely different. We're, we, we actually are, we, we rub against the world the wrong way. And not in a dishonoring, in a proud way, but in a, when everyone else is comfortable doing it this way, we'll go against and we'll run alone if we have to. We will do what's right when no one else is watching. How do we do that? Just start honoring. Continue honoring if you already are. Show humility. Be quick to listen. Slow to speak. Slow to post. Be very, very, very slow. Even the king did not come to be served. You can't serve people the way that God wants us to serve people if we're not growing in humility, if we're not growing in honor. And what's the best way? What's the only way that we grow in those things? Time with Jesus. That's the only way I grow in them and practicing what he tells you to do. There's no other way. There's no other way. If, if we're not spending time in prayer, we're arrogant. We think that we know what's right. We think that we know what's best, and we don't need God's help. We're arrogant, and God actually resists the proud. So God, help me to want to pray. That's, a, that's an amazing prayer. God, help me to want to pray, because I don't even want to sometimes. But God, help me to want to. And you do. And grace comes because you've humbled yourself. When someone has just absolutely made us frustrated, upset us, at work, on social media, wherever, we just stop and we say, God, give me grace. Help me to remember all that you've forgiven me. And you're growing in humility. You're growing in just patience, long-suffering with people. The Bema podcast talks about a nine-step coronation process. When a king, uh, specifically Caesar or Nero, becomes, um, he's crowned king. There's like a nine-step process to that, to that uh, process. And Heather's going to talk about the genius writings of Mark and how they parallel, how Mark specifically writes this book as a coronation process, except for not to a king on earth, but to a suffering servant, someone who is full of humility and full of honor. So why don't you talk to us a little bit about that nine-step coronation process or whatever you want to share about that. 
Okay. Um, and we can put the link to that podcast um, online. Online. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but really, it's in it's in Mark 15, and if you go um, step by step, verse by verse, it covers exactly what all the Romans knew as the coronation of Nero of Caesar, and uh, and step by step it tells the story of how Jesus goes through the same process um, to, to become king. Uh, but, he's, but Caesar is on his way to, to a literal throne where he's getting power, where he's receiving the glory of, of men. Uh, he's receiving praise. He's being made to look like a god. Um, he actually lines people up and says, you will live, you will die. You will live, you will die. Um, because he wants everyone to have, you know, to know that he's in charge of who lives and who dies. Um, he really just plays it up um, that he is just this uh, amazing, amazing leader. Um, and so, and then he, he, there's a procession, and people are on either side of him, and uh, there's a sacrifice that follows him, and he carries the the instrument of death, whatever that's going to be whatever that was to kill the sacrifice. Um, but it's just amazing how Mark, uh, just verse by verse, it, it lines it up perfectly with this, with this uh, coronary, uh, coronation. coronation, thank you, coronation of Caesar. Um, but he's, he's, leading, he's leading the readers to a completely different, on a completely different road. And it's, it's the road of suffering, the road of death, giving up his life. He becomes the sacrifice for us, um, whereas Caesar is all about claiming for himself, getting for himself, um, conquering the land. Um, Jesus says, Jesus says, power comes when you are willing to give up, when you are willing to lay down your life. That's true power. That, that shows that you truly understand what God is all about, if you're willing to give up your life, if you're willing to, to make nothing of yourself and just and follow him and be obedient to him. And um, so I think the, you know, our, our message today really is, um, you know, if you've picked up your cross and if you've made decisions to follow after God and give up your life and you're, you're, a, you're a servant, uh, hang, hang on and and keep enduring through this life, and you will receive a great reward. You will receive your life. You will hang on to your life. Um, and then the other side of it is, if you know, if you're not a believer, you don't even know you don't even know Jesus personally. You haven't made that decision to follow Christ. Um, you need to make the decision because if you don't, you're you're really choosing to give your life to to lose your life in the end. You might. You might gain your life here. You might have a few pleasures. You might have a few. Um, you 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 probably will have a lot more fun. I mean, I wouldn't say that, but some people might say that that you you'll have more fun living for yourself um, than you will for God. And it's it's easier. I mean, you're not gonna you're not going to have the constant opposition that you do if you're following after Jesus. Um, it's a lot easier. You don't have to pick up your cross every day and say, I'm dying to myself. Um, but, uh, yeah, this is just, I, I just really liked um, 
studying this because it's a good reminder that this life is short. Um, and it, it goes by very quickly. And we need to make a decision of who we're following. What kind of glory do you want? You know, do you want the kind of glory that that makes you look good, that, that gives you power? Um, you want to be that person with the attention in the room just good things to think about you know what like really really look in look inward ask the lord um ask the lord what what do i need to start doing to become um more of a servant and uh, do you want to go over the questions okay we have some questions for you all right um so what does pick up your cross mean to you so that's, that's the first question that we have. What does pick up your cross mean to you? Um, just, just spend some time with the Lord, just asking, um, asking him, what does that look like? struggle because um, because it's easy in this time in our life to to be like hey if I got a job I mean we could be we could be making a lot more money and it wouldn't be wrong for me to get a job except the except God has asked me not to so that's that's one thing so we we work um, part-time with different things but as far as like a eight to five job he's really asked me to stay home with the kids and to pour into them right now um, but that's hard for me to do because I want to be like, okay, what are some ways that we can get rid of that bill? What are some ways? And so I just start trying to think and I want to take control for myself. And so for me right now, laying down my cross is just saying, God, I trust you. Financially, I trust you. And I think all of us can really uh, probably relate to that right now. I mean, it's it's a it's a very strange time in our country. And and so right now, um, financially, and he is taking care of us. He always has. It's, it's incredible. Um, but there's always those stretching times where it's like, ah, it's driving me crazy to be in this place all the time. But, um, but we refuse to walk in the pond, uh, poverty mindset, and we refuse to um, also to worry. So that's what, that's what it means to me to pick up my cross right now. That just comes to mind. question yeah. yeah the the next question is how can we honor people we disagree with sometimes the most honoring thing that we can ever do is is to not say anything at all and sometimes an honoring thing to do is to, to bless someone who is our enemy to actually send a message to someone on Facebook and, and someone that you actually disagree with. Send them a message and say, it's refreshing to know how passionate you are about this issue. I'd love to have coffee with you and try to learn something maybe that I don't know. And you might think like, well, yeah, that's, that's cute. I'll probably never do that. But among us, it will be different. 
And no one is doing that in, this, in, in the United States. No one is doing that in the world right now. Everyone is only fighting. Everyone is fighting right now. And among us, it will be different. How can we honor people we disagree with? <clears throat> only with God's help. Yeah, all right. The third question we have in the, the last one is, how have you structured your life? Which road to glory are you on? Are you towards, are you on the road uh, to the glory of, of God, of the cross, or the lasting glory? It's, a, it's, it's an amazing, amazing glory. And it's, and it's brilliant, and it's shiny, and it's beautiful. But, but often for us, it, it's, it's not. That's not what it means for us right now in this life. And are you willing to trust that everything that you give up here on this earth, you will receive? Paul says that it's not even worth comparing. The sufferings that we're going through now aren't even worth comparing to what is ahead, the, the glory um, that is ahead for us. And... Uh, um, so anyway, I just encourage you guys, um, structure your life. Think about your life, what your, your plans, uh, the, the, you know, we, we make sure that, you know, 15 years down the road, we're going to have a, we're going to have a steady job. We're going to have a good income. We're going to have this, this, this. Are we structuring our life so that 15 years down the road, I am going to be more abandoned to Christ than I am now. I am going to be more in love with him now. Are we surrounding ourselves with those kind of people to encourage us in that? Do you have anything to add? No, I, I, um, I just want you to pray over us, Heather, that you would, um, that the Lord would just give us grace to do these things well. We, um, none of us, I think step number one, I think step number one is that, um, that we would just admit where we're at as a culture. We're struggling with honor, with humility. We're struggling, we're struggling bad. As, a, as I'm not saying you, I'm saying as a nation, we're struggling to, to honor. And there's no way that we're gonna become great in God's sight unless we learn how to serve. And so if you just pray, Heather, that we would learn to be like Christ, that we could become servants. Yeah, um, yeah. If you're anything like me, too, you'll find yourself going through the day and, or even the week, the month, and uh, you get weary. And especially during this time, there's just a heavy weariness in a lot of people right now. And I would just encourage you: everything that we talked about today, none of it is actually possible. And we talked about how this is, um, this is actually fruit that comes out of your life when you spend time with the Lord. So if you don't, if you don't see these things coming out of your life, don't get down on yourself. It just means you just need to spend time with the Lord. You know, like if somebody gets, uh, somebody has a nice tan on, you know, they're not going to make fun of somebody that doesn't have a tan because it's just, it's just easy to see somebody was out in the sun and somebody wasn't out in the sun. Um, so, and vice versa, you know, and that's just a silly analogy, but it's, it's just easy 
it's easy to start getting down on ourselves in shame, but just know it has it has nothing to do with you. All of us are corrupt. All of us are the exact same level of corruptness. And when we spend time with Jesus, um, he takes that away. He opens our eyes and allows us to produce the fruit of the Spirit. Um, so I just want to read this. Is anyone thirsty? Come and drink. If you have no money, come take your choice of wine or milk. It's all free. Why spend your money on food that doesn't give you strength? Why pay for food that gives you that that does you no good? Listen to me and you will eat what is good. You will enjoy the finest food. Come to me with your ears wide open. Listen and you will find life. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. So, um, God, I just ask that you give us grace, Lord, to come to you to spend time at your feet, to spend time in your word. And God, that we would that we would set our pride down and we would say that we trust you. We trust you with our life. We trust you with our time. And we know that that as we spend time with you, you will you will begin to produce fruit and lasting fruit out of our lives. And um, God, we choose to say that that you you are worth it following after you. You're so worthy of our love, of our following after you, God. And we, we just declare that. And we, we choose right now today to put a stake in the ground and say, I'm not going to lose my life for something that's fading. I'm going to lose my life and then gain my life. Um, God, thank you. Just give us, give us help with that, Lord. Help us all. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us online. Thank you for those of you who made it uh, in service today. We just pray that God blesses you and shows his favor towards you and that ultimately you have the grace that you need to become, to further your, the journey, the road of becoming a servant. <clears throat> so we bless you. Hope you guys have a fantastic Sunday and uh, there's house prayer tonight. We'll see you then.